What? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Elect 825. Brett's trying to figure out what's going on behind the glass. We're thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, what date is it? You don't know. <laughs> so we've prepped before Look, the show. It's, a, it's, it's been a long week. I know the day of the week. That is enough to know to know that I should be here. A little behind the scenes. We prep each week. We create, create a document and share it with each other and put our content in there. Uh, I get in studio and Jeff goes, I couldn't find the document. You gave me the wrong date. It's the 27th. I was like, it is the 27th. He looks at his watch and he goes, oh, it is. How you doing, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I'm doing fine. Other than that, you're doing fantastic. Other than the fact that they had to scramble to get rid of one of the disclaimers because they're so afraid we're going to say something, <laughs> that they do a double disclaimer. Yeah, look, you got to watch out for what you're going to say on the radio. You never know, right? That's right. Look, Just it, imagine the minds that we are poisoning. At, at least you made it to the studio. Uh, we've got Mike Ventola on the line, so we'll bring him right on. Jeff, why don't we get started with some baseball talk and talk a little Iron Pigs? Before... Well, Mike, are you there? I am here, guys. You are. Very exciting. So, Mike, before we get started on actually talking baseball, the question really is, how long does Pat McCarthy need to work there before he gets a key to get into the studio? Like, What's the problem? Why can't I mean, he get back in the broadcast booth? Well, it's because I am secretly trying to <laughs> keep him locked out. And For, now he's got to earn his way back in. I, I hate to tell you, Mike, it's not a secret. For our listeners who don't know, it's now out there on Twitter. <laughs> That's true. It's out there on Twitter with Pat McCarthy trying to get back in the booth for the second night in a row after logging himself out. So do you jump in the seat and call the game while he's out there trying to get back in? Well, it's funny because him and I, as you know, we're either doing it together or he'll step out for a couple innings while I do it. We're like a rotating uh, circus, him and I. So, he, so, so now it's no big deal. <laughs> I just got to tell him he's got to earn his keep a little bit better by just doing head first dives <laughs> from the visiting booth into the home booth. Well, you now have another promotion night. You can do like a lock picking night. Oh, and yeah, I, not only that, but yeah, you could be like the spokesperson for that night. He oh could, wait, instead of do, lock picking, could it could be hold on, shaped. hold on. Yeah. Instead of lock picking, it could be lock pigging. Oh, there you go. Oh. Look at you, Kurt Landis would be so impressed with you. <laughs> All right, so we'll get to that. Uh, how are things going in Bacon, USA? Off to a good start with another win last night. Say so the pigs are playing well. They are really hitting well as a team. They're in the upper echelon in hitting here in the International League. And it's been great to see Derek Hall up at the top of the lineup pretty much. He is second in the league in home runs. He is in the top five in RBI leading an extra base hits, so on and so forth. And he's really played himself into the picture now here, not only with the pigs, but you almost wonder now if other organizations are starting to take notice of what he's capable of doing. You know, so, so Mike, not only with Derek Hall, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Mike, that, that's a, it's an interesting point. We have Reese Hoskins here who's, who's settled in at first base for quite a while as long as he remains healthy. When you're observing these guys and talking to these guys day to day, and they see that Bryce Harper is ahead of them or Reese Hoskins is ahead of them in the, on the major league team, how is it that they are that professional uh, and, and that motivated that they can continue to do it knowing that unless there's an injury, the only way they're going to make it up to the major leagues at this point, at least now, is going to be if they get traded? They understand it's a business. 
I mean, as much as they enjoy playing with their current organization. So when you kind of think about like for Derek Hall, he loves playing here. He would love to be in Philadelphia, but he knows that deep down it could be with another organization. It's just kind of a part of the business aspect of things. And the reason why they're able to stay professional is because they know that it's such a what have you done for me lately business. So for Derek, who's been so consistent since April, he's able to just go about and just continue to produce day in and day in. And you've got guys like Derek who are trying to make it and don't know where they're necessarily going to be. And then you've got guys like Scott Kingery who are trying to make it back, who the other night hit his first home run in two years and says he's paying, playing pain-free. Tell us what you're seeing with him. He's looked very good so far. And the reason why I say very good is because you can see he's playing just a lot of free speed. He's playing second base every He's had the DH a little bit here and there a little bit, but he's just now really starting to know that he can be put in the lineup, play second base, and just kind of get himself back into a baseball groove. So you know, he had the opportunity to meet with the media the other day, and he had a lot of good things to say. Obviously, the shoulder injury got the best of him, but he realized that he's now able to overcome all that. Even the tough play over the last few years, it's been a learning experience for him. And he said he wouldn't change a thing because it may make him a better ball player. And I believe that. And I don't think that for him, baseball is done by any sense. I think we still have some very good Scott Kingery that we have yet to see. Yeah, so we, we've seen Scott Kingery at his best when he was at the minor leagues when we used to go down there. And then when he came up here, as, as, you, as you pointed out, he was playing a lot of positions. How, what have you noticed about Scott now that he is at second base and he's back at where his home is? Well, I think it's a lot of less stress knowing that he can just focus on you know, making the quick throws over to first base or like what he's done a few times already, some beautiful backhand tosses to the shortstop, whether it's been Nick Maton or Jairo Munoz and trying to complete a double play. And he could just now really focus on just together some good at bats. And he's been able to really put some now over here the past couple of nights. He homered uh, two nights ago, and now he is coming off a two-hit night. I'm excited to see what he could do tonight. So even though there's some raindrops right now, we are expected to get underway at 7.05. So he's going to be in the lineup tonight. And we're going to expect him hopefully uh, turn into a – hitting streak because obviously if he gets a hit tonight then he's finally got himself a hitting streak talk to us about the atmosphere for people who don't get out to the games jeff and i love being out there it's a great place to see it and just the feeling when you're in the ballpark the team's in third place right now they lead the league in on-base percentage they lead the league in runners and scoring with runners in scoring position talk to us about what you're seeing out there with the fans i mean the fans are just super happy to be back I mean, obviously, COVID-19 is still out there and doing what it's doing. But I think people are at the point now where they want to come out and have a good time. And the fan appreciation, the fan engagement has been outstanding. And we've had some really good crap. Can't really, we can't really wait until it gets even warmer and school's out. So then we can expect more fans to be out here as well, too. But... 
it's been awesome to see, and the fans are getting behind this team. And it's just exciting to see because we know the excitement with the big fills right now. It's trickled down here to Lehigh Valley. So because you see how an exciting of a lineup it is in Philadelphia, that they see some of the guys are producing here and can eventually help the big in Philadelphia. You know, you talk about fun. Uh, one of the great things about minor league baseball, and you guys do it great, is promotions. I know we just missed 80s night. Uh, I'm not sure what your outfit was and if you're prepared. But tonight is Jurassic Pork Fireworks Night. Got fireworks all weekend. Talk to us about that fun and those special promotions you guys do out there. So the other night for 80s night, I wore an Andre the Giant shirt. Awesome. Because I'm a big professional Jeff, wrestler. Jeff, he wrestled. Uh, just so you know, he was a wrestler. Jeff's not into wrestling. And, uh, I mean, Jeff probably knows him as Fezzik from the Pinsic. Uh, That's uh, exactly <laughs> who I know him as. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? Yeah. So, so, so when is Princess Bride night? Uh, that's something that's on the wish list for me. See, I could see Ventola so doing the Anigo Mentoya line. Yeah. Here, so here, here's what I know about Andre the Giant, and here's what I know about Mike Ventola. Mike Ventola can fit in Andre the Giant's sleeve. <laughs> that's, <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, but you had the shirts. You had '80s night. Tonight we've got Jurassic Pork fireworks. Tell us about the fireworks at the ballpark all weekend and what you got going on out there. Yeah, so we have, um, as you mentioned, the Jurassic Park fireworks. So dinosaur themes, an ode to the Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic Park music. Should be very dinosaur-esque here tonight. And then tomorrow night, because it was just the 45th anniversary earlier this week, Star Wars tomorrow night. Will, will you be Star wearing Wars your fireworks? Will you be wearing your Chewbacca outfit? <laughs> I mean, you. Just wow, that was pretty. That was pretty good. Pull that out. Well done. <laughs> uh, you see, look, you guys set me up well. We're like a good team here. <laughs> we we definitely definitely set you up well there for sure. So uh, th there is somebody else w that people up down here are very curious about, which is Mickey Moniak. Um, Mickey Moniak was was set to make the major league roster at the beginning of the season. Suffered an unfortunate injury. Uh, looks like he's rehabbing and doing well. What what have you heard of Mickey, and and what should we look forward to with him? Yeah, Mickey's still with the Reading Fighting Phils, and he played really well over the past couple of days. Had a few hits, homered. You can see he's healthy, and he's just ready to get back up there. So his mindset's in a good place. And I just think right now it's just a matter of him getting more reps and getting back into uh, true baseball shape because I think if he is ready, the Phillies are going to get him back up there. Oh, I think they want him back up here for sure as soon as he's ready. Well, one thing we know is that he will not swing at a ball through his leg. <laughs> no, that that won't happen. You know, no, that will not happen. The the uh, communications director and me in my prior life loves that you are blowing up my inbox with emails about Devonta Smith's uh, celebrity softball game. Tell us about that and what you got going on there, because that sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Well, next Saturday, that's June fourth. Devonte Smith is bringing a bunch of his friends to come out to the ballpark and play a celebrity softball game. So his Eagles teammates, members of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the New York Jets, the um, Cleveland Browns, the New England Patriots, you name it, there's going to be a whole plethora of NFL athletes. I mean, even Jada Kiss is coming out. 
Jeff's so, definitely going to go now. <laughs> Jeff's uh, alley right there. Yeah. Did you say Jada Pinkett's going to be there? <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, that, that will be next week. It's, and we're really excited about it, too. So, and uh, Devontae was uh, really, um, he's been awesome to work with. Him and his team over there at Clear Vision Marketing. They've done a great job. So we're just excited to get this game underway and entertain our fans as we always do. You know, one of the things that that is great about your organization is the amount of work that you do for the community and different charities throughout the season and even in the offseason. What's it like to participate in something like this and partner with Devontae Smith regarding his cause? I think it's outstanding, especially for me because I get to dip into both worlds. Because I always say in minor league baseball, you have two worlds the baseball side of things and the non-baseball side of things. We can control a lot of what happens in the world of the non-baseball world. So, but for someone like me who can dip into the baseball world a little bit, I get to enjoy it on both sides. But with that being said, Jeff, is that, you know, it's so comforting to know that we're able to give back to the community and being able to entertain fans and really provide a true escape from all the nuances going on in the world. So into throughout the pandemic, when we had all different sorts of events and all the charitable stuff that we've been able to do. So um, it's rewarding working here. And our fans here in the Lehigh Valley, they're very appreciative of everything. And without them, we haven't been able to do what we could do. And of course, folks as yourself who cover us and, and coming up from Philadelphia, it's it's really an awesome uh, relationship. Well, look, I mean, that's what we should be doing. We should be putting out the good things you're doing, and uh, it's obviously a fun side product that we get to enjoy the games and get to hang out with you. I did want to ask you one more thing about the on-field product you're seeing before we let you go. I know you got to go for the game tonight. Uh, the, uh, minors are kind of like the incubator for rule changes in baseball. I'm just wondering your thoughts on any of the changes that they made that you like or that you don't from what you've seen so far. Um, Jason, can you say that again and cut out real quick? I, I, want, I want to know about the rules changes. So minor league baseball is kind of like the incubator in terms of where they're trying all different things. As somebody who watches the games all the time, anything you think is particularly effective that you like or that, that you're not a fan of in terms of the way it's changing the game? Well, I'm an old school baseball guy, so it's still taking me some use to getting to this pitch clock, but it is speeding up the game immensely. We had a two-hour and 28 eight-minute game last night. Our average game time has dropped close to like 15, 20 minutes from last season. And it's really taken an effect in the game. And what's crazy, too, is pitchers are being charged balls. Hitters are being charged strikes. So it's been really interesting to see the kind of watches all unfold. So for those of you who are interested to see what a minor league game is like now, come up to Lehigh Valley because you will definitely see a different side of baseball you don't think you would have ever seen. Without a doubt, and you can go up and look for Mike Ventola. He'll probably be filling in for Pat McCarthy, who's probably still outside the play-by-play booth. Yeah, can you do us, just yep. do us a favor? Can you just pass along to Pat that he want, might want to aim lower instead of getting a key to the city? Maybe he wants to get a key to the booth. Yeah, key to the office no, would be a true. good place to start. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is the key to the city a little higher? 
Yeah, well, that's why I said he's he's got he's got. Well, maybe not. I, I would want a key to the booth if I was if I was the guy. I'd want him to just let me work, go into work <laughs> without having to climb into the booth from a higher level. Look, yeah. If, if people want to get involved, they can go to IronPigs.com for either the Devonte Smith event or to get tickets to go out and see the games. Mike, thanks so much for always giving us the time and for what you're doing out there, man. Good to talk hey, to and you. And Mike, before you go, are there tickets still available to the De- Devonte Smith event? Yeah, absolutely. You can get the IronPigBaseball.com. Dot com and 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 really we hope that you can come on out because it's going to have an NFL flavor in a minor league ballpark. So we're really excited about it. And as well too, we have a lot of baseball games still yet to be played this season. So so if you're really itching to see those prospects before they get to fill it up. To, Coming out to Coca-Cola Park. We will be up there very, very soon. And, Jeff, uh, there's a home run derby before the Devontae Smith baseball game. Am, so I, am I entered in it? Uh, no. Uh, we yeah. may have to throw you in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mike, hey, we'll I... talk, Mike, we'll talk all there about what I could do to make that happen because Jeff regularly, <laughs> Jeff regularly volunteers me to look silly in front of other people, so I'd love to give him the opportunity. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, tell me can roast Jeff would be a good time. I'm all for it. Take it easy, Mike. Have a great night tonight. All right, my guys. Thank you so much. Take it easy, Jeff. Say just, bye. just an absolute blast uh, in terms of when they go out there, the product they they put out there, the the effort they do, the bacon that they serve. Um, clearly, I enjoy. Do you know being this out. year they're also going to be the Lehigh Valley Scrapple? That's cool. That's really cool. It it, it is amazing <laughs> how much how much they're able to do. They've gotten so much mileage With out pigs. of bacon. Look, no, the, the pork dinosaur night tonight. Yeah. Di- you know, Jurassic pork night. They're very creative. You gave them a good idea while we were doing this. Yeah. Well, what can I tell you? <laughs> you see, you're a copyright and trademark attorney. You should know <laughs> that you don't give away these ideas for free. I already filed. Don't Did worry. Did you exactly. before that? Okay. Right before I said it. All right. So do you want to stick with the baseball? Sure. It's, it's more depressing to talk about the team at the big league level than it is the, the money. Uh, look, I don't think it's that depressing. There is so much... They're such Good. a confusing team. That, well, that's the problem. It's not all bad. No. It, I mean, if you watched last night's game, Aaron Nola looked great. Eight and a third. And, and he actually got a win. Well, I mean, and, he's pitched great all season. If you look at his stats for the season, he has looked great. He, just, he is Cole Hamels he now. He leads baseball in strikeouts and yet lost his H his last eight or lost H the Phillies lost eight straight starts when he was pitching, and he only won the first game of the season. I mean, the Phillies scored no runs with Nola in the game in four of his nine contests That's, entering last night. That was Cole Hamels. This, he, he is Cole Ham- He's the right-handed version of Cole Hamels. So after the win last night, both them and the in Braves— In even years. In even years. <laughs> are 21-24, and 24, seven and a half games behind the Mets. Yeah. The Phillies— T- op- Tied with the world champion Braves. Tied with the Braves. Mm-hmm. The Phillies open a series against the Mets, three three games on the road. They're 10-11 and 11 on the road. Mm-hmm. Bailey Falter will get the ball Why? to start this evening. Well, who's hurt? Uh, it's because they have so many games and so many days that they're going to a six-man rotation, I think. Why? Do they have a doubleheader? Wait, they have a day off this week. Well, okay. So this gets That's to, what I'm, I'm confused look, about. I have a section in this document about not understanding what Joe Girardi does. This is another example of me not understanding. But you just said the reason that they're doing this is because there's too many. Is there a doubleheader coming up that I'm not aware of? No, I think they play a bunch of games in a row. And they have a day off. I'll figure it out. So um, I I don't understand why they would be going through this unless somebody needs a rest. Uh, I have no idea, Jack. Zach Wheeler's pitching out of this world again. Nola's doing great. Eflin's doing great. 
I mean, Eflin has come back from his injury of last season, and he's just doing stellar. And, I, you know, I texted you earlier this week, I think it was, about the fact that remember when they were trying a couple years ago to get Eflin to throw the ball up in the zone? He's a sinker ball pitcher. Yes. And what has he been doing since he got to go back to just being a sinker ball pitcher? Throwing the ball down. He's, yes, the, he's not a number one pitcher, but he's a good number three pitcher. So their only doubleheader is June 17th against the Nationals. They play every day. You know it's still for, May, right? I know. They so play why is every Bailey day Falter except pitching? for Thursday, June 2nd. That's their day off. So they have right. a day off June 2nd in their rotation normally anyway. I so don't understand. So why is Bailey Falter pitching? It's a wonderful question. Yeah, Maybe exactly. you should ask Joe Girardi, who doesn't like to answer those questions. Because he wants to use his bullpen more? Like, what? what's the deal here? Because if somebody, if Falter comes up, somebody's got to go down. And it's not going to be one of the starters, so is it going to be one I, of I the think bullpen it was, arms? I think it was Veerling that they sent out. Wasn't, uh, didn't they send Veerling out for that? Why? So we only have one center fielder right now. Oduble. Right. Well, yeah. And he's not a center fielder. Was that the worst play you've ever seen Which this one? Week? The one that went through his legs? Everybody's legs. Or, uh, all around, by so, the way. Look, here, I have a confession to make, okay? And I texted you this week. I spent a lot of time on these airwaves saying the Phillies must sign JT Real Muto. Yes, you did. They have to sign him. Uh-huh. That looks like an awful investment at this very moment no, in time. It I hope it he's doesn't. just struggling. But he's been struggling. I think what's see. I think what's going to happen is JT or Hoskins is going to be moved. I agree. I and, think Hoskins and, gets moved. I, and they move JT then to first, and then you have Logan Ohapi coming up to be the catcher. Does that make this team better? Yes. Why? Because I think a young catcher with young knees. Will be better. Okay. Would be better. And Ohapi, by all accounts, and we've seen Ohapi, we've interviewed Ohapi, he he seems like a top-of-the-line catcher. But Ohapi won't matter if, like the other night, Joe Girardi sits out his three top relievers, and in late in the game, he's got James Norwood, Andrew Belletti, Brad Hand, and Nick Nelson throwing him the ball. That just won't matter. The bullpen this year... You, Nobody sh- named Norwood should play sports. <laughs> Do you know the Phillies this season have blown And for people that are too young to Scott know, Norwood, Scott I, Norwood. See, I know that. I'm yes. not that old, Jeff. Yeah. I'm there with you. You know they've blown nearly Barely. 30% of their save opportunities this season? Yeah, but if you look at the bright size, that means that the 70% of their opportunities they've converted. All right, I'm just not. I'm, I'm not with you. It, <laughs> that was my best effort. That was... Despite a really crappy month. The, to, to, <laughs> To, to put a positive spin on a negative. The, and yet, you did not give me credit for that. I I, I was struggling with it. I was surprised. You're, by you it. were struggling. Yes, I was surprised <laughs> by it. it. You came back at me with like a stat. But let's get I, back to Oduble for a bit. I mean, look, it's well known how much I don't like him because of his off the field stuff and wish he was not on this team. I like I dislike it, him because of his on the field well, stuff. So that, as that, much too. I was going to discount that for a second. <laughs> There are very few people in the history of baseball who have swung at a ball that went through their legs. Not this week. That's hard to do. Ever. And then he compounds it because when he goes into the field, he just runs past the ball. All he had to do was lay down and let it hit his belly. Yeah. And it would have saved a run. He might well be the dumbest player (laughs) in the history. Now, I'm not talking about his IQ. I have no idea what that is. But as far as baseball IQ, he might be the dumbest baseball player Certainly this city has ever had, and maybe in the history of baseball. Are you aware of anybody that you have ever watched in your lifetime 
who has made more confoundingly dumb plays than Odubel Herrera. No, and it's maddening, and everybody knew it, and yet they've got no other options. They're praying that Mickey Moniak gets healthy so he can come back here well, and do something, by healthy. the way, that he hasn't proven to do with the majors. We think he can. Right. But he hasn't proven that. So they had no backup plan. They signed Odubel late. Uh, so as you're saying that, I'm still trying to figure out, so who's the fourth outfielder right now? Don't tell me Bryce Harper because he Quinn. can't play. Roman Quinn, which, again, I don't understand Girardi's decisions. Late in the game, you've got Castellanos out there in right field who doesn't have a good arm. Why don't you put Roman Quinn out there? Or why don't you move Odubel over well, and put Ro- Roman, Roman Quinn in has, center? Roman has no arm. But he's got a better arm than what's going on there? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think Roman has he an arm. He can cover but, more distance well, than what's de- going on out does. there. And, and, and so for all those people who for years keep criticizing Roman Quinn because he gets hurt, which is outside of his control. He had a great play this week. Roman has won several games in the last couple of weeks because, simply because of his speed. His thing has always been if he can just stay healthy. Right. I mean, so as long as he is healthy, why doesn't – I don't care if he bats 210. If he gets on three – and he walks every once in a while. If he gets on three out of every 10 or 11 times and is on first base, that speed changes things. And I don't understand what this obsession is with continuing to put the Kyle Schwarbers of the world as your lead-up hitter. Look, I have that in here of the things I don't understand about Girardi. I don't get his lineup at all. He seemingly takes people out of position. Like, there's no reason Reese Hoskins should be a leadoff hitter in a game. You know, we, there's no reason we, Kyle Schwarber should be a leadoff hitter. You talk we all the time. Stand Gabe you, Kapler and and Gabe Kapler being the mad scientist and needing to do. I hate to tell you, Joe Girardi is no different. You talk regularly. This is a question that you have asked people. I do talk regularly. Well, you do. <laughs> this is a question that. that you've asked all the time about roles yeah. and the importance of defined roles for athletes, knowing that on this day you will get to the park and have this routine and take this action and be in this spot and this position. And the Phillies are incapable of doing that, it seems. Stability is not something that they have in terms of lineups and who they go to at different times and when they let them play. I'm sorry. If you're going to sit down, first of all, Knebel didn't need to be in the game before when he had pitched two games in a row because the Phillies were up. Mm-hmm. So he didn't need to be in that game. That's when you bring in Norwood. And if it's a problem, then you bring in Knebel. But then the next night you have to sit him. So you got your top three guys down. You can't do that as a manager. You, you're setting yourself up for failure, but it's a self-inflicted wound. I just they're, they're why, a frustrating why, team why to watch. Why is Norwood on this team? Well, I don't know, and that's the problem. Forget is, his last name. Why is he on this team? I don't know, but the problem is you've got Bryce Harper who comes back from getting an injection in his arm with a torn UCL. Mm-hmm. It's a home run that should win the game and mm-hmm. give you momentum to keep it going that you can sweep the Braves, and instead you pull this nonsense that you always do, always do of he can't pitch that many days in a row, so I'll go find somebody that wasn't even on the roster at the start of the season, and I'll throw them out there in the ninth inning and pray to God that it doesn't blow up in my face. And it did. It did, which was the least <laughs> surprising thing of all. Look, you can go to bed at night knowing that if the pitcher doesn't go deep, they will probably blow the lead at some point. The they Phillies may pull have, it out. So just so we're clear, the Phillies have a much better record in my mind than they actually have because when it gets to the seventh inning or eighth inning, it's, I literally turn it off and go to bed. That's the when frustration they're is they're not awful, awful. 
No. They're, they're eighth and ninth inning They're awful. just bad enough to be m- mediocre right. to the point where if they played a little better defense and were a little more fundamental and actually set their roster little, up the way we think, more, they I'll would not be any so bad. Fundamental. Anything I'll take at all. any fundamental. All right, Jeff, why don't we hit the break? When we come back, we've got plenty more to talk about with all the sports, including Su- Susie Petricelli joining us to talk about the settlement with U.S. soccer and some equal pay for women in sports. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Since I seem to be complaining this whole show, Jeff, can I keep it going? Go ahead. You're really good at it. I was. I know. I'm very good at complaining. <laughs> I was really hoping for some good basketball after the Sixers were out. You know, it's like, okay, they're out. It sucks. But at least, like, I'll be entertained. Yeah. Nothing. Not, <laughs> very <sighs> few games are even remotely close or interesting in terms of what's going on. I would like to talk, but I don't think my mic. I can on. hear you. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. All just right. act like things are working here, okay. and maybe turn your sound up so that you can hear what we're saying. It was up before. I don't know what happened. Wait. So you didn't know the day, and you turned the sound down on. I, I didn't touch anything. <laughs> oh, Brad, Jeff's struggling today on. Is the it air. five o'clock yet? <laughs> Not can yet. Can I just go home and sit? Can I get into traffic? <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad when you'd rather go play in traffic well, instead d- of hang out? Don't with me? forget, we start. We started this show the the Friday drive time on this on Friday of Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, we've been putting up with each other for a while. Yeah, we have. Sitting in a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the show's been going six or seven years, but we moved. We started uh, as a Sunday the good, show. That was the good old days. Yeah, we started as a Sunday show. We moved to Saturday and then Friday, Brett. <laughs> so we, it was a Memorial weekend when we started on Friday, me and Jeff. So that was, that was how it happened. So, Jeff, back to the basketball. So Golden State closes it out last night. Uh, the Warriors, you want a crazy stat? I know you, yeah. and you sent me a stat this week. Uh, here comes a stat. Here comes stat boy. But you sent me a stat this week about how far teams travel. I'm not going in that direction, but I appreciated you thinking of me sending me stats. Do you know that the Golden State Warriors have not lost a playoff series to a West opponent since 2013, 2014? I don't think the Golden State Warriors have lost a game at home this year. It's crazy. In, in, in the playoffs. That's eight seasons. Yeah, they haven't lost to a Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. This, is, this has been the most boring NBA playoffs that I can remember. Yeah, Miami, Boston, they're like taking can turns. Somebody, Who's not going to play somebody one game? just play a game? Like there was some weird, again, stat boy over here. There was some weird stat, I think, in the Miami, Boston series that there was there hadn't been a lead change since game two. How is How that could possible? that be? We're literally starting games and whoever's winning at the beginning is winning at the end. And there's like no motivation to like sit and watch this even though it's the nba playoffs it almost makes you want to unlike go, hockey it, hold on i'll get to hockey it almost makes you want to go watch the draft speculate or the uh potential trade speculation that's being reported oh about, don't correct? start with me <laughs> why, why are you doing this if one more reporter <laughs> reports on that he heard from somebody else that there's a mock draft not he heard a rumor of a trade there's a mock trade or a mock draft and reporters are now reporting on other people's mock trades and mock drafts that's not new now that i've gotten you to go off and complain as well i agree with you the the hockey playoffs are the exact opposite in terms of what we're seeing in basketball 
the games are exciting. The atmosphere is fantastic. Did you see? We'll we'll get to Susie in just one second as she gets on here. Did you see the Colorado game the other night? Those are exciting games. St. Louis was down three nothing. Mm-hmm. Comes back and scores to tie it up. Nathan McKinnon goes end to end with so much speed that I texted my friends and I go, the Flyers have nothing close to this. No. Nothing. And that's the frustrating part for me watching the playoffs is we ain't there with our teams. We'll leave it there. Susie Petricelli, whose book, Raised a Warrior, is available on Amazon Kindle now, so you should go get it. Uh, we always appreciate getting to talk the issues with you. How are you doing? And thanks for joining us. I'm good. I always love being with you guys. Thank you. And happy Memorial Day Friday. Absolutely. We rumor, <laughs> rumor has it that you get a special deal on Amazon at the end of the month just if you mention us or if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's really cool. It's only $1.99 right now just for the until the end of May. So these are exciting times for for women in sports and the journey that that you have traveled in terms of watching women fight for equal pay in soccer we'll take we'll put other sports aside for a second just the the struggle that you've seen what was your reaction to seeing that a settlement had been reached with men's and women's soccer getting equal pay you know i mean i think there was my life before this uh agreement in the settlement and now you know my life afterwards i mean it's it's just a it's just a huge turning point um for you know particularly women in soccer but women around the world really you know it's a, it's a cultural shift um it's just an enormous and it also you know the fact that it was a collaboration between the the women's national team and the men's national team um it's just so you know it's so hopeful right it's so inspirational especially right now when you know we get a lot of grim news right i mean these are two teams men's and women's teams that believe in each other and value each other and are working together and they're both you know there was some give and take on both sides they're both you know they're both sacrificing a little bit and they're both gaining um you know so it's it's really it's just it's it's exceptional it's historic look you've been talking about it for for so long now and and what what's shocking to me is is not that the two teams are were got together to do it. It's that the overarching organization seemed to be an impediment for so long. Yes, they were. Yeah, this and they would continue to be. If Carlos Cordero had gotten reelected, we wouldn't be here, right? We're here because Cindy Parlo Cohn is now the president of U.S. Soccer. So, how important is it? Because Cindy Cohn is only president of soccer because people spoke up. So how important, you know, what are the lessons that you take away from the result? You've seen the journey. You've seen where it's gotten in terms of the solution at this moment in time. What are the lessons learned along the way that you can play forward for what comes next for women in this arena and in other arenas? I mean, I think, you know, we, we keep saying that we need more women in leadership positions, right? We need We need more diversity on boards. Um, we need more diversity in general. And I, I think that's, that's really sort of the biggest takeaway for me. Um, and, but I also think that, that the, the way that the, the contracts were, or the, the, you know, the CBAs are, are designed now, um, it's, it's like I was saying, it's a benefit to both sides. And I think, so the women presenting it and, on, and also the, the men started, um, started participating 
in the women's negotiations, right? They, they started as, as um, spec spectators, I guess there's a better word for that, but they started as, you know, um, non-participants and then they started participating in the women's negotiations. And so I think, you know, that's really when it, when it started to really turn around and really come together. And I think that was, that was, that's uh, one of the biggest takeaways that we need to move forward is, is, you know, when the when the men started to see the logic behind the women's arguments is when it really started to move forward. You know, one of the things that was part of this landmark agreement wasn't just the equal pay, but it was also establishing a players fund with $2 million to benefit players during their post-soccer careers and to invest in charitable efforts aimed at growing the sport for women. If you were running that fund, where would you put that money first? Oh my gosh, what a great question. Um, you know, I, I would pour most of it into the grassroots level, particularly referee training, um, coaching training, more female, we need more female coaches. We need, um, you know, we need more um, female coaches at every level, you know, um, from the grassroots all the way up to the pros. Um, so I would probably start there. Um, but yeah, I love that question. What's, I'm not as good as Jeff with my questions, so I'm just gonna <laughs> give it that. give it a try, Jason. What's the? It's it's more of a you know what's the reaction in the soccer community? You know they they fought for so long. Is it is it victory relief? Is it? It's definitely victory and relief um, from from my community, right? But you know, Carlos Cordero, that that most recent election, you know, just this year, um, was very close surprisingly close to me. I was surprised. I mean, maybe people on the inside weren't as surprised. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I have to assume that there's almost 50% of the voting, you know, people in the U.S. in the, in the Federation that, that are disappointed. Um, you know, I, that's an assumption that I have to make, that some people are disappointed and they still don't understand why. Well, so that's, I, I guess that's the question is, is why is somebody who's been such a polarizing force within soccer somebody that that ran again and and came so close to being in power again and 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 how you know, he made how a do lot you... of promises yeah he made a lot of promises um he apologized um but you know that falls very flat to me you know i honestly i i, I can't personally ever trust him again um and i think there's a lot of people that feel that way we just don't trust that he'll actually make any change he's not the right person to revolutionize you you know u.s soccer from the ground up yeah, so the, the next thing is, is, is this isn't over yet. This is a start as far as I think most of mm -hmm. us are concerned who care about this. And, and this only dealt with U.S. soccer. What's the next step, if there is a next step, to, to making this international? I mean, it's very exciting. You know, I mean, Cindy Cohn and, um, you know, every, everyone's talking about the next step, which is, which is obviously, you know, equalizing pay money across the board uh, in the FIFA Men's and Women's World Cups. Um, and, you know... Cindy has said that she's going to start pressuring FIFA. Um, and, you know, I also, I've also heard that because the 2026 Men's World Cup is going to be, you know, partially hosted by the United, by the United States, um, they're considering ways to use that as a platform to push for equal pay for the following year, which is, you know, the, the 2027 Women's World Cup. Um, so, you know, and again, it's the men also driving this, right? I mean, the men would be using their platform during their hosting of the, of the, of the men's world cup to drive, you know, forward this issue because they know that it benefits both teams, right? The women are, are, are still going to be the dynasty that they are in the, you know, within the next eight to 10 years. So if the, they start to equalize prize money at the FIFA level, that benefits the men and they are not, you know, that's not lost on them. 
I think it's unfortunate, but not surprising, that the men's voice is what kind of added more sway. How do the women feel? Is it excited to have advocates joining them, or uh, why wouldn't you listen to it when we were talking type thing? Is, is there a little bit of that where why is our voice not enough here? Because I was surprised that Carlos got that close to, to winning election again. I, you know, again, I'm not on the inside like you, but given all the things that were out there, you would think there'd be enough voices to sort of move past that, but that doesn't seem like it's the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I clearly not an, as inside as you may think, because I was surprised um, that the election was so close. Um, you know, I, I guess it's it's a it's going to be interesting to see where you know it, it, nobody knows where this is going to go right i mean it's going to be very interesting to see how it all works together how the two teams continue to work together you know um and obviously how things progress in the next election for us soccer um you know is there going to be some kind of backlash and um you know it'll it, you know nobody knows it, it'll be really interesting to see this is this is only a small park this is just us soccer this isn't the, the professional leagues that a lot of these women play in when they're not playing on the international level. What is being done with regard to those organizations? And I'm not just talking soccer. I'm talking women's basketball as well to make sure that those organizations start to thrive and start to benefit the way that men's organizations do. You know, I mean, that we're that's the key question too, right? It's like, you know, how do we grow investment in the women's game? How do we change? We have to continue to change the mindset uh, that Carlos Cordero had and, and very openly publicly stated that he believed that w- female athletes were, you know, inferior to male athletes. Like that was his stance that thank goodness, like turned out to be his downfall. Um, but only because the sponsors pressured, you know, you know, started to bail on him, <laughs> bail on U.S. soccer. Um, so, you know, I think that hopefully this does spark a ripple effect. And, and you know, I, I do feel like we do need to give credit to federations around the world that are committing to equal pay, right? I mean, there are a dozen uh, federations around the world, and uh, soccer specifically, that have already committed to equal pay. Not specific, like the, the, what, the one new thing that we've done in the, in the U.S. is that we've committed to equalize World Cup uh, bonuses, um, and we're you know we're splitting the World Cup prize money equally here, which is new and very and obviously very important. So I think we're setting an example in that way, particularly. Um, but also, you know, something cool that I haven't seen mentioned that much that I noticed was in the was in the new CBAs was that the men are now going to get um, they you know uh, childcare, which you know for their for uh, their families, which was never you know the women have been getting that for twenty five years. That was one of the first things that the women fought for and won. Um, and so that's something that's been added for the, on the men's side. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not just about equal pay for the women. It's about equalizing the game for everyone. Well, and I don't know if you saw, but it's equalizing the game, lots of different games. We just had yeah. uh, the other day, major league baseball talking about the way that, that women in baseball need to have better facilities for themselves. I don't know if you've seen that and what your thoughts are on that. So you're talking about female players? Um, it's everything. It's it's managers, it's staff, coaches, uh, communications people. Basically, baseball ha- sent a memo saying that um, numerous clubs fail embarrassingly below the high standards necessary. Apparently, there's some places where women have to 
walk across the stadium to go to the bathroom because there's a different facility yeah. without a bathroom in there. And, and and so is that where we're seeing an eye opening for people at all levels of sports where women in management and women in different positions throughout the team are starting to realize that teams need to give them space too, not just men. Yeah. And it's not just about so. pay. I mean, right. It's not just about, about pay, right? It's about facilities and travel and, um, and, you know, general treatment across the board. Um, and, you know, but again, like this, this started, right. Um, let's go back to like the sixties, right. When, uh, you know, in NASA, the NASA building, there was no women's restroom, right. They just didn't have a women's restroom. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a similar thing. So this has been an ongoing thing, you know, that, that women are, you know, very, very slowly winning, you know, the same, you know, resources and the same facilities that, that men have had. And it's, it's just, it is, it's happening. It's just going to take time. I think the attitudes are, are the hardest to change. Um, and, you know, and again, like the fact that, you know, Carlos Cordero could very, you know, without, without any shame, you know, say to the world that we, we don't think these women, you know, deserve the same as the men. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's that, that's the part that we really need to just you know, make a huge step forward on. Obviously getting big money backing and diversity and ownership and leadership is important. You see um, women-specific cleats from Ida Sports, Mark Cuban backing mm -hmm. Moolah Kicks. Those are both at Dick's. Jeff and I thought it was cool that we can actually invest in teams. For $50, we can get into Lou's FC. We can get into yes. Minnesota USL. So for 100 bucks. We could be owners of the teams, and we're going to and we're going to do and it. I think we're going to do it from the heart Please of sports. Do. But talk yes. to us about the creativity that comes from the grassroots side of generating support, along with that larger money that needs to come in to really prop up to make this rise the way you want. Yeah, so I think that creativity. First of all, the first thing that comes to mind is is that cre creativity comes from the fact that we've had to think out of the box, right? We the mainstream, um, you know, mainstream media has been very, like almost impossible for us to, for women's sports to break into, right? I mean, obviously in the last, like I would say 10 years, it started to get a little easier, um, but you know, we're still at 4% of, of overall sports media, right? Um, I mean, so, you know, we still have a, a, a very, very, very long way to go. Well, you talk, well, so when you, when you talk a long way to go, to me, it starts from the grassroots. It starts with the youth. And you talked about this $2 million and using it for different things. What do we do to help young women get more involved and stay involved and continue to see the Carly Lloyds and people like that of the world uh, in a way that, that boys have always seen Mike Trout and people like that? You know, I, I think that's going to happen now. Hopefully we've started a little bit of a, you know, a wave um, for that. You know, now people are seeing the new contract that Trinity Rodman got. Now people are seeing the new contract that Don Staley got. People are seeing, you know, I think, and, and also that, that money that's going to those women is going to have a, a massive effect on like their, you know, their presence in social media and their sort of status almost, right? In society, right? So like, it's gonna become, they're gonna be, they're gonna become stars um, and they're going to become influencers and they're going to be part of our elite level like sports conversation the way the male athletes are. And I think it's just going to start to inspire. I mean, Title IX changed everything, right? And we started to see, you know, more college, more female college athletes. And that started to inspire um, younger girls like my generation, right? 
Um, and I just think like all of these things are just going to start inspiring the younger, you know, younger generations more and more and more. And that's what it is. It's the leaders and role models that the women are seeing success today will become tomorrow. You mentioned Dawn Staley. We had Jesse Washington on the show in a piece that they did at the Undefeated at the time. Dawn Staley gave a piece of her championship net to all of the African-American female coaches in college sports. It may have been all the female coaches. I don't remember. And and that legacy of, of creating that connection between those women, that's how you're going to see other women advance. And I just I can't wait to see more women to be able to pull other women up so it's not men that have to help push it along for people to be heard. Obviously, yeah. while we do that, your voice is still critical in the conversations. So we appreciate your help with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've been working together from the beginning. You know, I mean, even Title IX wouldn't have been passed if it weren't for Birch Bayh. You know, it was, um, you know, I, I, and also obviously the women, Bernice Sandler, Patsy Ming. You know, um, so I think we've, been, you know, there have been women driving it. Um, at, like from the, you know, from the inside. And then we've always, always, always relied on, on male allies. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always been a team effort, which is, which is very, very cool. You know, you talked about investing in teams. You know, one of the things that literally just struck me as we're, as we're sitting here talking is NIL and that, that maybe this is an opportunity, NIL with, with regard to name, image, and likeness. And we talk about how college football players are getting millions of dollars, you know, to, to play that maybe this is an opportunity to in, to invest in the future of women's sports through NIL deals for female athletes. Yeah, and I think that is happening. Like I actually, and I'm not great on these statistics, but I do believe that a, a few of the top NIL um, recipients right now are uh, the women's gym, gymnasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, again, like uh, the way the way our sports society is structured like, you know, right now we have the male football players, the male basketball players, like those guys are still sort of at the apex, let's say, of, of you know, the financial structure of our sports society. Um, so, yeah, we have, a, you know, that has to change. Like we need to even that out a little bit. And I, and I do think it's, it's happening. The, the problem is like, you know, we get like a we get like a PLL or something, right? We get like a men's, a new men's lacrosse league. And they're on, they're on, you know, a major network right away. Cause all they, you know, all, all the guys call up their friends. They're like, Hey, put us on your network. Yes. Okay. Well then they're on the network that, you know, on a major network in a couple of months, it's so much harder for women. Right. I mean, the NWSL still is not consistently on, on a major network, um, which, you know, needs to change. That needs to change. Which I find interesting because you're seeing major sports move to streaming platforms while women's sports are just trying to get on terrestrial TV. And so it's it's this dichotomy where you've got these major sports that are trying to diversify where they're serving content. And instead of it being backfilled with the women's sports that are desperate for the attention, you see this new programming ordered. So, look, Susie, we we always appreciate the time coming on. The book is Raised a Warrior, a memoir of grit, of soccer, grit and leveling the playing field. You can get it on for a special deal at Amazon for an Amazon Kindle. Susie, thanks so much for the time. You have a great weekend, and we appreciate the take all the time. Have a great weekend, guys. I always appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, it's it, it's it's just like we talk about. It, it, there's so much in terms of what can be done here, what needs to be done here, but there's opportunities. And so you look on the journey, they've reached this point that they've never been to before. Now where do they go next? Well, that's it. O- opportunities are just opportunities. Now it's time to get to the threshold and walk through the door. 
Now it's time for people to put money where their mouth is. Uh, this women's sports, I don't know. Look, I am not a soccer expert. You're going to be an owner of I, a women's th- team in about 20 minutes. We are going to be. I'm not, <laughs> this is no joke. We are going to do I this. I know. But, but what I don't understand is I get it. Football, there's, there's a different physicality. It would be hard for women to play football per se. Tell me what the difference is between men and, men's and women's soccer. I think the men are better actors if you watch the game. Well, that is definitely true. (laughs) But really, what is the difference? Nothing. I I, I can tell you. Well, for the longest time, it was that the women won. Well, that's it. (laughs) That was the thing. The the skill level in women's soccer is Is through the roof, especially in this country. Well, I'll tell you you who has skill in soccer, Brendan Aronson, and he brought some money back to the union. Yes, he did. And to himself. Look, good for him, okay? Mm-hmm. We, we've followed him since he was the kid from Medford that everybody was talking about before he went to the Union. Now he's going to play in the Premier League for Leeds. Do you feel like a proud papa? We interviewed him when he was just a tad. I would think yeah. Jim Curtin feels like a proud papa. He's been with him since he's been in the academy when he was 10 years old, and here he is in the Premier League now playing for Leeds. I've got to tell you, look, until they win a championship, I guess you can be somewhat critical. I have never seen an organization in any sport that develops the way that the Philadelphia Union have developed. Not just for their own team, but now for the world. This is their conscious strategy, though. They made the investment in youth knowing that if they could get it right, they could sell them off. So Brendan Aronson is going to get $30 million play at Leeds. This is the second team after the Union. They still get $5 million from the deal. Ernst Tanner should get whatever (laughs) whatever he wants, he should get. They should never let him leave. They've earned 14... Unlike the Denver Nuggets who let the the guy who found Jokic leave. They've earned $14 million in revenue, the union have, for a player who joined the club's youth academy as a Mm 10-year-old. It's a pretty good return on your investment. Well, yeah, okay, so... Yeah, but aren't you torn when you hear that? Because you want Brendan Aronson here... You don't want to earn money. The I do. Fans don't get I do, excited but I've about learned, the team I've earning that, money off of I've that. learned that, that soccer is more of a business than other teams' businesses. So- like, soccer celebrates the sale of their players. Right. They don't just make a trade for and the it, new guy. They celebrate how much they got for the old right. guy. Right, and if you want to be patient enough to understand the whole logistics of, okay, then they make more money, which means they invest more, that they're going to get more people, and they're going to continue the pipeline. Yes, but if you want to win now, and especially in a place like Philadelphia or in the United States, it's not about, okay, let's just keep developing and developing and developing. At some point, the union want to win a championship. Yeah, they're still in first place right now. They are still in first place, and they finally won a game. As they hadn't to, lost a game in a I long know, time. Lots of times. They tied a whole bunch of games. Yeah, and lots they are of still ties. one of the best teams in the league, and they are still on course to just continue to improve. But most people want Brendan Aronson in this lineup now. I agree with you. We Including asked, me. We asked Susie about name, image, and likeness. Did you yeah. see the new name, image, and, like, image and likeness deal this week? Mm-hmm. Political endorsements. Uh, yeah, that, that's a bad idea. Tennessee Martin senior Dresser Wynn shared his support for a local district attorney candidate. Look, I've worked in politics. I just think that's terrifying. I, I have never. I, I, I think using using youth like that is is a really bad idea. It doesn't <laughs> See, matter. and I look at it from the campaign hack in yeah. terms of using campaign funds like that is the biggest waste of money that there is, unless they have such a huge following that everybody will go to the polls. It's not the good well, use of resources. Well, plus the the, the the kids that are following them on campus probably aren't getting to the polls. Did so. you watch the PGA Championship? Was it an epic collapse or an epic comeback? You know you're not allowed to use the word epic when 
me, right? Epic. Oh, okay. Was uh, it? I don't know. Was it, 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 was, it, was a, it was a great victory. I choose not to focus on the guy that that had a hard time on the last hole, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word, because I will not use the word epic. But <laughs> you, you sent me a statistic yeah. during that. Justin Thomas had a 1.2% chance of winning the PGA it's before the final too. round That's started. Right. He was seven shots back at one point. He never led until one hole remained in his three-hole aggregate playoff. And he, was, and he was the only one who time. anybody actually knew going into that, it, that last group. It's it, it was some tournament. Uh, Jeff, we got about a minute left. It's Memorial Weekend. A lot's gone on in the country this week. I will let you say whatever you would like before we finish on the air. Yeah, look, I don't want to make a political statement out of this, but what the what the teams have done in different sports because of the tragedy that happened in, te- in Texas is, you know, we talk about on this show using the platform to benefit society. And I I look at people like Steve Curry, and he's not the only one, but he has been the most vocal on a lot of social justice issues uh, over the last few years. The way he says things, the way he speaks, anybody who wants to say shut up and dribble or wants to say any any iteration of that for any sport, go listen to Steve Kerr. I enjoyed Scott Fransky's commentary. I followed the Yankees and Rays with their tweets last night. Um, lots of teams doing things. Also, while you're enjoying your and barbecue if, and, this and, weekend. And if you can help those people in Texas, those families that are going through this weekend that should be barbecues and things like that, do it. And while you're enjoying your barbecues this weekend, enjoy. but make sure to remember the men and women who sacrificed and what the holiday is about. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.